Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Amen, amen. It's good to be with you this evening. We've enjoyed being here. We're so thankful for what God is doing. And I just believe that we're standing on the precipice of just seeing a great move of God in our time. Amen. Hallelujah. Actually, the Lord spoke to me about a month ago. And he said, I want you to press in. Press in in prayer and press in in the word of God. And spend time in my presence ministering to me. Preparing yourself spiritually. And then the Lord spoke to me. He said, you're about to enter into a time of new beginnings. And he said, It'll, it, you'll, you'll experience it after the first of the year. Down about six months from when he told me, he said, I, I'm going to show myself mighty and strong. Somebody said, did he say, tell you what he's going to do? No, he just told me to get ready. And I feel in my heart to tell you, get ready. Get yourself ready. Hallelujah. Amen. What the Lord is doing. And then we were worshiping the Lord last night and ministering to the Lord and, and, uh, I looked around and I just, it just, it came on me. I, I just thought about all the different ones that were here and, and stuff. And, and, and it was, it, I, it just came up out of my spirit. I said, Lord, I want to thank you for being, placing me here to, to worship you with this company of believers. And that's what came out of my mouth. The company of believers praising God from all different walks of life with one purpose. And that is to exalt Jesus as Lord. And give him glory for all that he's doing. Coming, gathering together, seeking him for his will to be done, his kingdom come forth and his plans and purposes. And the Lord spoke to me, and I believe it ties in. That's why I'm putting the two together with what he's about to do. Then I, I heard the Lord say, I'm going to begin to raise up companies of believers all over this nation. And they'll come together just like you are here. And they'll come from all walks of life in different parts and they'll begin to praise me in the spirit. And they'll begin to worship me and my anointing will come. And then they'll begin to enter into prayer and speaking their faith. And they'll be small in the beginning, but then there'll be more that'll rise up and more that'll rise up. And they'll look like they're insignificant and small in number. And the enemy will look out and say, that's nothing. But what he doesn't know is that I've started a seed that will grow into a mighty forest. And it'll spread across this nation and it'll bring a great move of my spirit and revival to the land. Hallelujah. And then the Lord reminded me of Acts chapter 4, and I went over and read it, reread it. You know, Peter and John were thrown in jail in Acts chapter 3 for getting the lame man healed. And then they bring them out the next day and they question them. And of course, they said, By what name or authority or power did you do this? And Peter's. Uh, it says, and Peter, full of the Holy Ghost, the anointing came on him. And of course, he said, if, if I be questioned this day, if we be questioned this day by what authority or power, what name, let it be known unto you that this was done through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. And furthermore, we'll have you to know that there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby a man must be saved. Hallelujah. And so they went on and they, they went back and forth and they said they took note that they'd been with Jesus. 
You know, when the church rises up in the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost, the world will take note you've been with Jesus. And so they couldn't find anything to do. So you know what they did? They threatened them and said, uh, go no more and teach anymore in this name. They didn't mind them preaching. They just didn't want them using the name of Jesus. I said the other day, last, one of the last service I prayed, the world don't mind you being religious, but they sure get upset when you get full of the Holy Ghost and, and you stand up in the authority in the name of Jesus. And so Peter looked at him and he said, uh, you know, you're just going to have to judge for yourself. Should we obey you or should we obey God? Uh, we're going to obey God. Yeah. And they couldn't find anything else and the crowd was cheering and praising God because, you know, several thousand gotten saved. And so it says they turned him loose. And so, you know what it says in Acts 20, 20, verse 23, 24, and Peter and John being let go went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders had said. And they all gathered together, the whole company, and they began to pray. And you know, they didn't cry out for God to kill these people and destroy these people. In fact, they didn't even start off with the problem. You know, they started off, Lord, thou art God. And all things were created by you and for you. And they begin to glorify God and talk yeah. about how big God is. Hallelujah. You know, when we get under attack, it's a good thing to have a company of believers to talk about how big God is. Yeah. Amen. They begin to remind each other of how great the Lord God Almighty really is. And they begin to praise Him in their prayer. And finally, they come over and they say, Now, Lord, behold their threats. We've been praising, almost forgot what we was praying about. But Lord, remember that we are under threat right now. They're trying to stop this thing. So here's what we want you to do. Kill them. No, he didn't say that. That's the church today. No. No, what did he say? They said, Lord, grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. And that you'll stretch forth your hands to heal. And that signs and wonders shall be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. You know what they wanted? They just said, God, give us more boldness. Give us more authority. Lord God, let us stand up and not be, you know, cowed down and, and fearful and timid and shy. And Lord God, when we speak and we declare your name, we're asking you to stand right there with us and stretch forth your hand and confirm your word in the midst of us. Hallelujah. And you know, God was so excited about that thing that the whole building shook. Man, we get all excited when somebody comes up there and whoo, hallelujah. What are you going to do if the whole place starts shaking? Hallelujah. And the glory filled the house. And it did, then I got upset. In fact, it says, and they all began to speak the word of God with boldness and started celebrating. And then you read down a few uh, verses later and it says, And with great authority and power, the apostles did wonders and miracles in the midst of it. See, God's going to do that again. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? And I'm going to be a part of that company of believers. Hallelujah. And I'm not going to despise the day of small beginnings. Because God takes what the world calls small and little and makes it the greatest thing on the earth. Amen. And that's what he's about to do. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Won't charge you a penny extra for that. That's the Spirit of God. The Lord told me to speak that. Amen. And I want us to hook up on it. Amen. And it will go with what I'm going to preach. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 in verse 1. We'll read four verses here. 
says, God, who at various times and various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. And we know he did. God raised up prophets. You get under the old covenant, the only one that had the, the anointing of the Spirit of God upon them was the prophet. Amen? Prophet and a priest and a king. They had the anointing on them. And God spoke through prophets. They were called seers. And the whole Old Testament is spoken out by prophets being anointed by the Holy Ghost and speaking out and those things being written down for our learning. Amen? And so they're put in, in, in motion for us. And so, so we, we get the doctrines of God and the Word of God and, and what was going on through these writers that wrote down what these prophets said. So God spoke to us through the prophets. He says, has in these last days spoken by, to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, and whom He also made the worlds. Notice He said, uh, God in the Old Covenant spoke to us through prophets, but now He speaks to us through Jesus. Are you hearing me? He's speaking to us now through the one that actually made all this. Amen? Listen, God spoke and the Word went in and did it. Are you listening to me? All things were created by the Word of God. And Jesus was the Word before He became Jesus. So God created everything that's here through the Lord Jesus Christ as the Word. Amen? And He went forth. Now let's read on. He says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now notice here that, that this the apostle writing to the Hebrew Christian says, listen, God has gone from speaking to us directly through prophets to this he's spoken to us through his son, and he's declared to us all that he's going to do. And not only did Jesus come and declare to us all that the, is in the will of the Father, but Jesus himself triumphed over the devil, triumphed over the enemy, redeemed us from all that was going on, and by himself conquered our sins and delivered us and set us free. And then God raised him up, hallelujah, and gave him a name that's above all names and seated him at his right hand in the majesty on high and made him Lord of lords and King of kings. Amen? So what am I saying to you? If I want to know what God's will for my life is, I should look at Jesus and see what he did. I should look at Jesus and see what he said. Because Jesus was the Lord God speaking to me. Amen? And let me tell you something, folks. Jesus is still God speaking to me. Come on. In John, he says, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice and follow me. So that means he hadn't stopped speaking to us. He hasn't stopped talking to us and leading us. Amen. And, the, and, and now the Lord is speaking to us. See, under the old covenant, if you wanted to get a word from God, you had to go to the prophet. Remember Samuel, you know, he, 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 he finally went over there and, and, and Saul did to Samuel and he got the word and, and Samuel made him the king there for a while. Amen. But you had to go get a word. He's looking for donkeys. How many of you know there's more important things than donkeys today? Amen. And so, so, but we don't go to prophets today. We go to the Lord. Hallelujah. Because we have a personal relationship with the Lord and he speaks to us and he leads us. But at the same time, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who is the Lord revealing to us and expressing to us the brightness of God's glory and revealing to us the will of God and showing us the plan of God and the purpose of God and the word of God. Amen. Right. 
See, whenever I got saved and, and I had an experience with the Lord, actually in my college room, and, and the Lord spoke to me and, and I gave my heart to him. And and, and uh, long story, won't go into it now, but uh, just just a very supernatural experience. I wasn't saved, didn't, didn't know much about God. I, I tell people jokingly, Bonnie and I got married not too long after that and uh, joined the Baptist church. And the first Sunday I went to the Baptist church and they were having communion. I had to ask her what they were doing because I'd never seen a communion service before. And they said, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And I said, they got ghosts in this place? <laughs> Amen. I didn't know anything. Didn't know, didn't know much of anything at all. But we, we believed God and finally got a hold of a Bible and started reading it for myself. And, and I read Matthew. I figured I'd start in the beginning and read that. You know, New Testament's got to be better than Old Testament. So I've read Matthew. We'll go back and study the old one later, but I want to find out what's in the new. It's probably for me. And so I read about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And as I read, I saw a healing Jesus, a delivering Jesus. I saw a Jesus that cared for people and loved people and spoke about good things and, and walked in power, defeated the devil, cast out demons. I, I mean, I saw this Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then I'd show up in church and I'd be told it was all done away with and we needed to hang on, hold out till we got to heaven someday. And they were preaching a heaven gospel. But the Lord, when he came into my room and spoke to me, he, he declared to me a living gospel. And so I had to make a decision. Am I going, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I thank God for the Baptist. We had great experience with the Baptist. Hallelujah. I was licensed Southern Baptist. Amen. April the 7th, 1976, I was licensed Southern Baptist. Hallelujah. Still got my license. Praise God. I don't know if they know I still have my license, but I still got my license. And we've had great fellowship with the Baptists. But, I, but in, in our particular situation, I found out, I, I'd go there and I'd say, wait a minute, you should be teaching about the Jesus that I'm reading about. Amen? Because, because I, I got over in the other parts of the Bible and I read Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus healed people when he was here, he should heal people now. And, and if Jesus was delivering people then, he should be delivering people now. And if Jesus was setting people free then, he should be setting people free now because he's Lord. And then I read here in Hebrews 1 that he was God talking to me. So I had to make up my mind. Am I going to believe that Jesus was really God expressing himself to humanity? Was Jesus really God talking to humanity? Or was Jesus just a good Savior that came to save me so I could go to heaven someday? I used to tell everybody, I said, if you know, if all you got saved for was to go to heaven, then what we'll do is when we baptize you, I'll pray a little extra long, hold you down until you stop bubbling and help you out. <laughs> I mean, why bring you up and toss you out to the wolves? I mean, we'll just get you saved and right on. Hallelujah. I mean, if you know, I wouldn't get to baptize about one person. Amen. <laughs> and you hold them down too long, you find out they're not that anxious to go to heaven anyway. <laughs> They'll fight you to get back out of that water. Hallelujah. Amen. No, we didn't get saved to go to heaven. We got saved to serve the Lord and to begin to let him do his work in our lives and to follow him. Amen. And so Jesus is God speaking to us. So let's let's look at a couple of things here. Go over to Matthew's gospel, the ninth chapter. Let's let's look at the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. In, in Matthew chapter nine, 
We'll pick it up here in uh, about verse 35, I guess. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Notice that. Let's just stop right there for a minute. Jesus went about every city and every village, every place. And everywhere he went, he healed people from every kind of sickness that there was in that place. There was not a sickness too powerful or too great that Jesus couldn't deal with. Amen. And there was not a demon that he could not get rid of. There was not a situation that he could not overcome. And everywhere he went, the first thing he did was he preached the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom. You know what he was saying? I'm bringing to you a new dominion, a new power, a new rule of authority. And the kingdom that I've come to establish is greater than the kingdom that's got you bound. And if you'll believe the message that I'm giving you, the words that I'm telling you, those words have the power within them to set you free from whatever it is that's holding you down. Because you got to remember, Jesus is, is just working on what the angel told his mother whenever he came to this earth, that he was going to rule on the throne of his father David, and he was going to establish a kingdom that could not be toppled, that would be far superior and greater than any other kingdom in existence. Amen? And so he is coming now declaring that message, and he's demonstrating the power of the kingdom of God as he goes throughout cities and villages. He's showing people. Now, we could bring it up to the day and we could say it like this. If I'm believing the gospel of the kingdom, that Jesus Christ died for my sins and God raised him from the dead, which Hebrews 1 says, then if I accept that, the power of the kingdom of God is greater than the power of the kingdom of darkness. Therefore, sin cannot keep me in the kingdom of darkness. God's righteousness is greater than my sin. God's grace is greater than my problems. And God will pull me out of darkness and bring me over into the kingdom of God. Well, if the kingdom of God is powerful enough to separate me from my father, the devil, and bring me over and adopt me into the family of God and make God my father, the kingdom of God has to be powerful enough to heal my body from the sin and the sickness that is holding me and bring me into health. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God has to be powerful, more powerful than poverty, or God cannot supply all my need according to his riches and glory. So God needs to pull down and pull me out of that darkness and bring me over to the kingdom. Amen. And Jesus is not just wanting to demonstrate the kingdom. He's wanting to educate the people in the kingdom. Are you hearing me? That's why we preach the gospel. So you don't have to show up in church to get your deliverance. You don't have to show up in church to get your healing. You have to show up in church to walk in victory. You come here to be taught what is yours. You come here to be reminded of who you are in Christ. You come here to be reminded that God has qualified you and made you fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, what Colossians 1.12 says? Then verse 13 says this, Who has delivered you from the authority and the power and the dominion of darkness and has conveyed you over into the kingdom of the Son of His love Woo, and drawn you to Himself. I'm in God's kingdom. Amen. God is my father. And Jesus is preaching this and he's ministering this. And then look what the next verse says. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Now, what did this multitude look like? They were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. 
Now look at the next thing Jesus does. Then he said to his disciples. Now remember, a disciple is a learner and a follower of the teachings of his master. So these are people that are following these teachings that Jesus is giving and doing their utmost to live them in their lives. They made a commitment to follow Jesus in, in thought, in attitude, and in action. Amen? They surrendered to him. They believe he is the Lord. Hallelujah. And so he turns to his disciples and he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers out into his harvest. See, we read over that and it slips by us. First of all, you got to know what Jesus is doing. He's going around every city and village. And every city and village he comes to, he sees weary people, stressed people, defeated people, broken people, sick people, defeated people. Why? Because those are the kingdom of darkness. That's what's in the kingdom of darkness. Are you listening to me? Sin is deceptive. Sin is deceitful. Sin is, is mean and nasty and ornery. Sin will take you farther than you ever thought you'd ever go and keep you longer than you ever thought you'd stay <laughs> and destroy everything. Because, you see, there's two types of leaven. you got the leaven of God that if you let God begin to plant his leaven in you, and Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, you know, cast out the old leaven and, and enter into the new leaven and celebrate this Passover that we have now. And Christ is with a new leaven. What's that new leaven? Righteous, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost. Amen? Well, if I plant God's leaven in me, eventually he'll take me over and I'll start living a holy life. Because when you plant leaven in something, it eventually takes over. But at the same time, if you plant the leaven of sin in your life, eventually it'll grow and it'll leaven everything else in there, and your whole life will become nasty. Because sin is nasty. Now, here's what I'm coming to. Jesus looked out and saw all of this stuff that's going on. And you know what his attitude toward it was? He didn't look out and say, you are the nastiest, aggravating, frustrating, Ugly people I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> what is going on? You know what Jesus did when he looked out? It says he was moved with compassion. He saw their hurts. He saw their weariness. He saw them struggling in their bodies. And he saw them struggling in their relationships. And he saw them struggling in their lives. And he called them a harvest. He didn't call them enemies. He called them a harvest. And he turns to his disciples and says, don't look at them and look down on them. Don't judge them as bad. Don't judge them as, as, as not worthy. Don't judge them because they're worried and scattered and defeated and broken. Don't you look at them and look down at them. Tell you what you look at them. You look at them like I do through the love of God's eyes, and you see them as potential children of God. You see them as potential kings and queens operating in the power of God and see them as delivered and made whole and made righteous and see them healed, see them rising up and taking over and walking in victory. And now what you do is this. I want you to see them like I see them, and then I want you to join with me and be a laborer with me in my ministry to bring them out of darkness into light. Are you hearing me? Now, why would you preach that, Brother Huffman, to us? Because we can shout and we can sing and we can praise God all day long. But if we walk around here frustrated and angry at a sinful world, then we're missing the mark. Right. And what we are here for is not to be judges of what's going on, but be laborers with Jesus to correct what's going on and to deliver as many as we can out of that. 
I read the story where a prominent minister had gotten in sin and, and these two seminary students were sitting there and one says, well, whenever I graduate, I'll be spiritual, more spiritual and I'll never make that, that mistake. And the other one looked at him and said, but for the grace of God, there am I. One had the right attitude, one had the wrong attitude. And you know what we have to do right now? We have to look at the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, with all this stuff that's going on right now, what is your plan? What is your will? Because, you see, he's never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what is the Lord wanting me to do? He's wanting me to look out at the world right now, and, and not with, with, with flowery you know, glasses and, 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 you know, and, and coloring it all wonderful, whatever. It's a nasty world. There are people that are wearied and struggling and defeated, and, and they'll get on your nerves. There are people sick spiritually, sick mentally, sick physically, sick relationally. I mean, all kinds of stuff's going on. Are you hearing me? But if Jesus looked out with compassion upon them, his heart broke for them, and his response was, I need some help. I believe he's still doing the same thing today. Amen. And you know what's so great is when we seek first the kingdom of God, His righteous, His righteous, His way of doing things, then He'll take care of us. Because then everything that we needed to do what He's calling us to do gets added to us. Amen? But you know what He's saying to us? He's saying, you're going to have to seek me and my way in your life if you want to walk in success in your life. Amen? So in this service, you know what we need to do? We need to understand, as Jesus is God speaking to us, what is He saying to us? Because I believe that if he needed laborers then, he needs laborers now. Amen? And he has a plan for you and me in the hour that we're living in. Praise God. Amen. Look over in John's Gospel, the 14th chapter. Hold your place. We'll come back to, to Matthew 9 here in a minute. Praise God. But in John 14, the Lord Jesus, everything about the 14th chapter is us, us getting involved with him. Are you hearing me? Because when you get to looking at these things, he talks to them at first about going to heaven and making a place for us and getting us ready and all this stuff. And then he takes us right, our, our attention off of eternity and going to heaven and brings it right back down to doing his works. You know what he's saying? He said, yeah. He said, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to store in the back of your mind that I'm going to make a place for you. Who is going to be great? I'm going to prepare a mansion for you, and I'm going to have a place for you, and it's going to be great where I am. You can be too, and it's going to be wonderful. But until that happens, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray the Father. And my Father's going to send you another helper. Hallelujah. And that helper's going to come and anoint you and empower you. In fact, the Father and I are going to come and make our home in you through the Holy Spirit. And we're going to live mightily in you, praise God, and do some wonderful things in you. And, and then he starts talking to these guys, and, and, and we'll pick it up here in verse, uh, verse 8, I guess would be a good spot. And he says, then Philip said to him, Lord Jesus, he said, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. Lord, just, just you know, you're saying all these wonderful things, and you're calling, you're talking about all this stuff and, and, and stuff. And he says, well, show us, show us the Father, and it, it, it will believe you. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Ooh, Jesus saying the same thing he said over in Hebrews 1, didn't he? I am the brightness of the glory and the express image of the Heavenly Father to you. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father because we're one. Amen? 
Somebody says, yeah, but that's the Father and the Son. But wait a minute, I'm one spirit with the Lord. You know that it should be that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father and you've seen the Son. Amen. What? Now, why would Jesus say that to him? Let's read on. Look what he says. He says, verse, verse 10, Do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very sake of the words themselves, the works themselves. That was what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Here, here's the proof of the pudding. When I speak, what do my words do to you? Because if I'm speaking from the Father, and if I'm speaking from my place of authority, and if I'm speaking from my position with the Father, then my words ought to rock your life. Amen? And Jesus says, if you don't believe me because I'm telling you, what about the works that I've done in the midst of you? In other words, I have the works that go along with my words. And he says, and the works that I'm doing, I'm not doing as a natural person. The works that I'm doing are being done through the power of the Father that's flowing through me out into the world. Hallelujah. And so the Lord is speaking to the disciples. Remember in Matthew, he said he needed some labors. He said, pray for the labors. And now he's telling you how to be a laborer. He's saying, don't try to be a laborer in your own works. Don't try to be a laborer in your own ability, your own strength, your own power. Connect yourself with the Lord and let him speak through you. Let him minister through you and let him throw through you. So that when people say, whoa, you're something, you look at him and say, I'm not something. I'll tell you what, something is God working in me who wants to change your life. He's the one who's something. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody says, how, how is God? Well, did, did you just get blessed? Yeah, that's how God. Amen. See, Jesus is not only our teacher, he's our example, folks. When you read the Gospels, just don't read what he teaches. Read what he does. Read how he handles things. Read how he preaches and teaches people. But then read how he gets in a situation. Because how he responds, he's, he's teaching you. When I went to Rhema, I had a friend come to me who had graduated the year before. And he says, here's what will really help you if, if you, this year when you go through your, your training here. He said, all the teachers are wonderful. Watch them, listen to them, and receive what they have to say. But watch Brother Hagen. And watch what he says. Watch how he says it. Watch how he carries himself. Watch how he transitions from the word to the spirit to the ministry. And if you will, you'll learn more than anybody else because he teaches you with every action that he takes on how to flow with God. And I tell everybody, whenever you get in the Bible, what you want to do is you want to watch Jesus, how he carried himself, how he handled situations, how he talked with people, what he said to people, how he did things, praise God, and let him teach you with his lifestyle as well as with his words. Why? Because he's wanting you to be a laborer with him. Amen? A worker with him. We are workers of the kingdom of God. Amen? Now go back to Matthew's gospel again. Matthew, let's go, let's only this time look in the tenth chapter. You were there in the ninth chapter. Look in Matthew chapter ten and verse one. You, are you sure, brother, Hunter, that that we're supposed to be laborers and we're supposed to get this serious about serving God? After all, you know, I, I'm just a churchgoer. Oh, help them, Lord! Hallelujah. 
If that's what you think of yourself, the devil's got you tied up in knots and you don't even know it. I haven't been a churchgoer since I got born again. I have been a radical child of the living God ever since I made Jesus my Lord. Amen. I went to my Baptist pastor, praise God. And I'd got studying the Bible. And of course, you know, I'm seeing all this power and I'm not experiencing it. And, and then Bonnie, you know, we'd only been married a few months and she was dying. She had a knot come up on her neck in a gland and, and it got where you could feel it and it was sticking out. And so uh, we finally, you know, we didn't have any health insurance or anything, but her mom helped us and she paid for the, the doctor's visit. And she went in and they said, well, uh, you know, it, it could be a malignant tumor. It's right here in the glands. And if it is, if it's malignant, it, it could, uh, you know, just spread through your body. And, and uh, but we're going to take a little sample and we're, we'll get back with you. She came tell me, I thought, my God. We'd just been married a few months. I'm not going to lose my wife in a few months. And so I began to pray. I said, Lord, I've been reading about you here in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, I, and you've been healing people, and I, I need to know what you're going to, going to do here. And I said, Lord, I, I'm just going to do this. If I can find any place in the Bible that anybody had a lump on their neck and they got healed, then you're going to have to heal my wife because the Bible says you're not a respecter person. And I found King Hezekiah. Had a lump come up on his neck. And the prophet went in and told him, you're going to die. And he turned his face to the wall and started praying. And he turned back around. God said, go back and tell him I've given him life. And so he went back in and told him. They put a thing on his thing. And he went out. And I went to the barn. I said, Jesus is going to heal you. She said, why is that? I said, because he healed somebody in the Old Testament. And the New Testament's better than the Old Testament. So he's going to do you. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, we knew very little, but we, we're acting on what we know. Are you hearing me? Because, see, I'd already tried the sin way, and I didn't like it. So now I'm going to try the, the Jesus way. Hallelujah. Amen? And I'm liking every bit of it. Praise God. And so I prayed for her. She said, what are you going to do? I said, well, I read, and I'll show you here in a minute just where I'm going to. But I said, over here it says I'm to lay hands on you in Jesus' name, and God will heal you. I said, will you agree with me? Because we'd already found Matthew 18. If any two of you agree is touching anything, that's how we got in the place we were living. We'd agreed on it. God got it for us. Hallelujah. And so here we are. And I just lay hands on her. I said, Lord, I, I'm just believing you right now. I command this not to go. And I just thank you, Jesus, for healing her. Amen. And so she gets up. and She goes in the other room. And I heard something plopping and heard the commode flush. And I got him. I said, are you okay? She goes, yeah. I said, what did you do? She goes, I got four more days that medicine they gave me, and that stuff was making me sick. And I said, if Jesus is going to heal me, I don't need to take that medicine. I'm going, oh, God, help me, Jesus. <laughs> My faith got shook. I said, don't do that. Oh, God. Maybe we can get some more. She goes, I said, no, no. Wait a minute. That's right. That's right. Jesus healed you. Hallelujah. I don't, I don't tell you to do that. She was led to do that. But in the next four days, we'd have to pray because the pain would hit and she'd pray and I'd, she'd call me and I'd agree with her and we'd pray and, and, and it'd go away. And, and she's sitting there in the waiting room, waiting to go in to talk to this doctor. And as she's sitting there, the knot's just as big as it ever was. Just as bad as it, no, no difference. But she made a consecration to the Lord. She said, Lord, whether I get healed or I don't get healed, you're my Lord and I'll never walk away from you. And this will never defer, deter me from living for you because you're my Lord. It's in your hands. We prayed. You know, somewhere down the line, we just got to go ahead and make sure that we put it in his hands. Amen. 
By that time, the nurse said, Miss Huffman, come back here. So she gets up. She walks back. They set her down. The doctor comes in, reaches over and says, well, I guess the medicine worked. She goes, what? She goes, yeah, the lump's gone. It disappeared from the time she got in the waiting room to the time she got into the examining room. Hallelujah. Amen. And that was the first healing miracle that we experienced after we started serving the Lord. Amen. Somebody said, how did you do it? I said, I have no idea how I did it. Praise God. Because we didn't know a whole lot about the word. Amen. But we found out that Jesus was exactly who the Bible says he is. And we were just, I guess, naive or young enough or whatever enough to believe that he would just do what he said he would do. And you know what? I pray God don't ever let me outgrow that sincere childlike faith that I just believe you'll do what you said you'd do. Amen? And we've seen God do wonderful things as we continue to grow in him. Amen? And God's just expecting us right now to, to step up and be with him. But look what he does. The first thing he does in chapter 10, verse 1, he says, And when he had, had called the 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Woo, glory to God. I mean, here are the laborers. Now he's, he's empowering the 12, and he's given them power and authority to go out and get rid of sickness, disease, and pain, and struggle, all the things that he saw in the multitudes. Amen? Now the disciples have been given that authority and power. Look what he says in verse 7. And he said, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Preach the same message I preach. Go tell them the kingdom of heaven. See, the Bible talks about kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. It's the same thing. Kingdom of heaven is semantic. That's what would come if you were looking at it from a Jewish perspective. And the kingdom of God came from the Greeks because that's how they saw it in their perspective. But in the, in the original, it's the same thing. Because the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God is the kingdom. Amen? It's heaven coming to the earth. Hallelujah. And God ruling and reigning. And so they preached. What did they preach to them? They preached that, that the power of God is greater than the power of darkness. And they went out and set people free. Did it work? Look what it says. Let's read the next verse. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. He says, you didn't have to pay for this. You didn't have to earn this. I'm giving it to you freely. Now you go out and don't charge anybody for it. You just go minister to them. Go love them with the love I've given you. Hallelujah. What's the good news about that, church? He gave it to them free. They didn't have to purchase it, earn it, or just be good enough to get it. They just had to hook up and be a disciple. How many of you know the things of God are still free today? Amen. He's still wanting to freely pour into us what we need to be able to do His work. Praise God. Now look in Luke's gospel. Let's go over here to Luke chapter 10. Some people say, yeah, but Pastor Elman, that was the 12. They were the special vessels. Hallelujah. They're the apostles of the Lamb. Of course, he would call them out. But wait a minute. Let's look here in, in, in Luke's gospel. And you jump down here in, in the 10th chapter, and you begin to pick it up here in, in verse 1. And it says, And after these things, the Lord appointed 70 other. What? 70 others? He doesn't even call them disciples. <laughs> and the Lord appointed 70 other Mongols. Amen. Hallelujah. What did he do? He found 70 other disciples, those who were following him in his group. And he sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, listen to this again. The harvest truly is great and the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest, send laborers to his harvest. Go your way. 
Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Look what he says in verse 9. Heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Everybody's got the same message. They're all just taking the, the message that the kingdom of God, God's righteousness, God's peace, God's joy and the Holy Ghost, God's salvation, deliverance, healing, God's greatness is now right here for you to partake of. And if you will, it's greater than the thing that's got you in bondage. Amen. What if it worked for them? You know, it worked for the 12. What if it worked for the 70? Well, drop down here. And this, 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 uh, actually, verse 17, look what it says. Then the 70 returned, saying, with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Ooh, glory to God. I mean, they returned back and said, you know what? Those same demons that have been running our lives, we went out in your name and started running theirs. Hallelujah. Amen. Even the kingdom of darkness had to bow and surrender to us when we went under the authority of your name. Amen. Glory to God. Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Woo, glory to God. I want to tell you what, folks. I, I believe the Lord today wants in your and my life to see Satan fall like lightning out of our lives and out of our circumstances and out of our situations. Amen. He wants to bring him down from ruling over you to the ground so that Jesus can rule over you. Amen. So we find out that the Lord is looking for laborers. He's preaching the gospel. He's showing us the power of the kingdom and he's expressing God's will to us. Then he calls the 12 disciples, sends them out, gives them authority and power to do this. Then he calls 70 others and sends them out. What about you and me? Thankful that you asked. Look at Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. And verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Woo, glory to God. All rule, all authority, all power, all jurisdiction. All That word authority means delegated influence. The power to act. All the power, that, all the greatest influence there is has been given unto me. And that influence and rule and reign is over heaven and earth. Yeah. Hallelujah. Somebody says, well, what's that? It's so important. I live on earth. And someday I'll be in heaven for a few minutes. Amen. Huh? Sure, I'm not planning on living in heaven very long. Seven years at the max. Because when Jesus comes back and sets up his millennial reign, I'll be here with him for a thousand years as one of his kings and his priests. Amen. Glory to God. And then we'll rule with him forever and ever and ever when he creates the new heavens and the new earth. Amen. The great thing about it is this, I'll always have total, complete access to the Holy of Holies in heaven. Isn't that great? What a vacation. Hallelujah. We're down here being priests and kings with the Lord in a, in a perfect earth, and he's ruling and reigning. And every now and then we just go up to heaven and stroll around through the streets of gold and go in the Holy of Holies and, and you know, and fall down with the... The, the, all the angels up there and the, and the elders and, and all of them throw our crowns down at his feet and shout holy, holy and watch the glory hit for a bit and then come back home and say, where you been? I know where you been. I can see it on your face. <laughs> you know, been back up in that holy of holies again, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Hallelujah. Amen. And we can just do that all the time. Praise God. But we will live here. Amen. So where is the Lord's authority? It's in heaven and on earth. Amen. But now what does he do? Look what he says in verse uh, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Look at that. Make disciples of all the nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, and along with you always, even to the end of the earth. You know what Jesus is saying? He's speaking this to the church. Are you listening to me? That's the Great Commission. And he's saying this. He said, just like I came and preached the gospel of the kingdom and healed the sick, set the captives free, took the hurting and the weird and the distress and the troubled and those who had no hope, those who thought their lives were a waste and changed their lives and turned them from nothings to somethings. Then I got 12 and trained them up and I sent them out and they went out and had the same success. Then I pulled 70 others out and trained them up, put the anointing upon them and they had good success. And then I went to hell and fought the devil, conquered him, took the keys of death and hell. I rose up Lord of Lords and King of Kings, established my throne in heaven and now I'm ruling and reigning. And now I'm saying anybody who will come after me and be my disciple, I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you the right to act in my behalf and go forth and do what I did. Hallelujah. What am I going to do? I'm going to change you from being somebody whose life is wasted and destroyed to becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ so you can stop being the devil's pawn and start being God's king. Hallelujah. Come on. That's what the church is here is to go help hurting people and people have no hope and people have been walked on and talked about and beat down and have nothing in their lives and no vision. But we go out and we say, Jesus came to set you free. And we see you like Jesus saw you. We don't see you as a problem. We see you as a harvest. Why is a harvest so important? Because it's the harvest that you put in your barns that everybody lives off of. Are you hearing me? The harvest at the end of the, the season is vital and important. And Jesus, when he says, I see a harvest, you know what he's saying? I'm seeing people that are vital and important that need to be brought into the kingdom. Amen? Because I see talents and abilities and giftings and priests and kings that can be used for the work of the kingdom of God. And so he's calling all of us now to do this. Every one of us are called to do this. Amen? That's why we have to rise up to the kingdom. That's why we have to elevate our attitude of who we are in Christ and quit walking around saying, well, I'm just an old nobody. We try to be humble when really we're just, pardon, don't, don't get mad. We're being ignorant. But we just, we, we, we just, amen. I used to be ignorant, but I'm not ignorant anymore. I don't say that stuff about me. Amen. Listen, I tell the story. A lot of y'all need to get a, some revelation. See, I, I've told the story before here, and some of you know my story. My, my biological dad left when I was two and a half years old, and my, my mom was two weeks away from having my baby sister left with another woman i didn't know him i saw him twice in my life he's dead now i found out he had died and, and he'd been married six or seven times alcoholic druggy crazy whatever you know and and it was it was just bad so at early age i i made my mind i wasn't going to be like that and then you know i did my best to do what i could and then the lord got a hold on me praise god and then i started and he called me to preach and so so uh and, you know and i'd made a commitment at 12 years old i said i'm gonna marry one woman i'm gonna say marry that woman i have kids my kids are gonna call me daddy and i'm gonna i'm gonna see them grow up and do the things of god i'm gonna live a good life i made that commitment at 12 years of age and then at 20, God got a hold of me and helped me do it. Hallelujah. All right, listen to me. If it hadn't been for the Lord, who knows? But God got a hold of me. 
And so, you know, I'd gone to Ramah. I'd been out preaching for about a year and I'm struggling and I'm going through all this stuff one day and, and I'm driving the car. You ever driven in the car and outside the car, the birds are singing, the sun's shining, the skies are blue and everything's wonderful. But inside the, the car, it's raining and there's clouds and lightning. I was I was in a thunderstorm in my car. It was dark. I was feeling bad, and the devil's hitting me, and I'm going through some things, and, and, and I'm just 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 having one of those days. And then the devil's talking to me, and he says, "Well, it's a good thing you're a preacher because if you wasn't a preacher, you couldn't do anything else." And he says, and and he said, and he said, "Well, you know, you you're probably going to mess up." You think you've got this thing, but you're going to mess up. You know you're going to mess up. And he's talking this stuff. And then he, then he goes one step too far, and he goes, after all, you know what they say, like father, like son. And I heard that. Well, he, he'll probably turn out like his daddy, biological daddy. And then the devil's saying, like father, like son. And I'm sitting there, and, it's, and you know, I'm feeling a little down, feeling a little sad. And all of a sudden, another voice speaks up. And this other voice is very strong and authoritative and shook me. And this other voice does this. Stop that thinking right now. Man, I swerved the car. I looked all around. And then that same voice said, that's true. Like father, like son. But now I'm your father. Now you're my son. Now you rise up and don't you ever think those thoughts ever again. And I'm going to tell you what. Woo, glory. Sun came into my car. Birds were flying around singing. Hallelujah. Because right in the midst of me having a, 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 a devil trying to give me a bad day, my God stepped in and reminded me who I was in his kingdom. Are you listening to me? On your worst day, you need to realize that God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God has called you out of the dominion authority of darkness. And God has changed you, transformed you. And it don't matter what you did in your past life. What matters is it's but the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from it, washed you from it. And now it's time for you to move over into who you are in Christ right now. Amen? Begin to live as a disciple of the kingdom of God and a labor with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, a couple of things you got to get a hold of right here. Number one, it takes authority for you to operate as a disciple. Where do I get my authority from? I get it from the Lord Jesus Christ. When do I get my authority? Well, in Luke chapter 10, what did the Lord say? He said in the next verse over we was reading, he said, Behold, I give you authority and power to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, nothing shall by any means hurt you. But then look what he says in the next verse. He says, nevertheless, he says, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You know the moment your authority starts is the moment you make Jesus Lord and your name goes down in the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me? And the Lord says, you know what? You, if you ever find yourself in a place where you, you cast the devil out, you shouldn't get excited that the devil had to leave because you told it. You ought to get excited because your name's written in heaven and you have the authority of God to do that all the time. Amen? Jesus gives us the right to act on his behalf. So our authority comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Where's the power come? You see, it's one thing to have authority, but you need power. Amen? Where's the power come? Acts 1.8 says what? And you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. 
and you shall be witnesses unto me. When do I get the power? When I get filled with the Holy Ghost. Why do you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost? Because it's the power of God coming into your life to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. That word power there also can be translated ability. The, the Amplified Bible translates of that. What's that mean? That means that when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues, you receive from God the ability to go out and witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. The authority that you have then is empowered for you to go do it. Amen? So in this house, if we're going to rise up in this time in the kingdom, we need to make sure that our name is written in heaven, that Jesus is our Lord. And then we need to follow the Lord into the upper room, praise God, and get in his presence and let the Holy Ghost and fire come into our lives and be baptized in the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues and worship God. And not just speak in tongues, but be empowered with the ability of God to stand in the face of obstacles and say, Jesus is Lord and I'm going to have victory in this situation. Yeah. Amen? The power of God comes to us. But then there's one other key. It's found in Mark's gospel, the 16th chapter. In Mark chapter 16, in verse 15, the Bible says this, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. Are we going to get them to work? Not what we're going to believe. We're going to be a believer. Number two, Here's the third key. In my name. In my name. In my name. Everything you and I do should be under the authority of the name of Jesus. In my name means in the Lord's name, in his behalf, under his authority, acting in his stead. I'm going to say it again. It means when I say in the name of Jesus... It means I'm operating under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm acting in his behalf. I'm doing in his stead what he would do if he was standing here himself. That's why sickness has to listen to me. Because it's not through me that's doing it. Just like Jesus said, the Father in me, he doeth the works. I'm standing under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ in his behalf, doing it if he was here himself. Remember the prayer in Acts 4? Lord, give us boldness to speak your word by you stretching forth your hands to heal. Who's he stretching his hands to heal through? You and me. How do I get him to stretch his hands through me? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And the Lord says, in my name, they'll cast out demons. Blessed be God, a demon shows up. Say, in the name of Jesus, leave. And you have to leave. Because it's the same as Jesus saying it to him. Amen. In my name, they'll speak with new tongues. What's that mean? I lay hands on people and get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Because I'm doing what the Lord did, and he's a baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Amen? And so whenever I do it in his name, he steps in and gets them filled with the Holy Ghost. In his name, we have covering of authority and power. He says, if, if we drink anything or take up serpents, they won't bother us. They don't mean we handle snakes in this church. That just means this. No power or weapon formed against us shall prosper while I'm operating under the authority of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, I'll lay hands on the sick and they'll get well because he's the healer. Are you hearing me? And see, every one of us have been given the right and the privilege to operate under the authority of the name of Jesus. Every one of us in here are laborers of the harvest. Every one of us have been given authority, the right to act. Amen. We've been given power, the dunamis, anointing, miraculous power of God to get it done. And we've given the right to do it through the name of Jesus.
So whenever I begin to know who I am as a citizen of the kingdom of God, and I know what Jesus came to do, I go out, and the first thing I do is I start telling about what the Lord will have for him. If you ever get around me, even if we talk personally, you know what happened? Scripture will come out of my mouth, and I'll start telling you words from God's word, and then I'll pray with you. Somebody says, why do you do that? I, I saw Jesus do it. And the disciple acts like his master, so therefore I just try to act like him. Hallelujah. Because I know this, God watches over his word to perform it, and Jesus is the surety of the new covenant. So therefore, if I do it in his name, he'll be sure to be there with me and get it done. Amen? Yeah, hallelujah. Now you say, this has been a little different. Well, it was different from last night, but we're not here to just try to copy and do everything. This night is this. I am wanting to you, and we're going to get into it in just a moment. I want you to hook up with me. Praise God. Because I'm going to minister to you. And the Lord spoke to me tonight. And he said, I want you to minister two things specifically. He said, well, first of all, he said or three things. He said, I want you to, first of all, make sure that everybody knows in their heart that they are born again, that their name is written in heaven, and I'm their Lord. He said, then number two, he said, I want you to do this. He said, I want you to pray for anybody who's been born of the Spirit but hasn't been filled with the Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit and leave out of here empowered by me to go and be a witness for me. Amen? Then he said, then I want you to take my name and lay hands on the sick and get them healed. And he said, and the final thing I want you to do is anybody who says, I want to be more bold and be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and a labor in his harvest. I want you to lay hands on them along with some of these other ministers and empower them before they leave here tonight to go out and be a part of this great move that God is about to bring on this earth. Amen. So that was my purpose. That's what I prayed for this afternoon. That's what I said. That's what the Lord was. And that's where this message came from. Amen. To get you to this place right now where you realize that God is no respecter of persons. He first wants you healed. He wants you filled. He wants you delivered. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to know who you are. Then he wants you to go out and share it with the world. And he wants this church to look out in this community, not just see all the drugs and all the sin and all the problems and all the struggles and all, and just go, oh, God. Let's look out over this, this community, see all those things, and be moved with compassion and say, God, show us how to change their lives. Show us how to bring them out of darkness into light. Show us, Lord, how to show your love so that they want you more than they want that. Amen? I'll tell you what, folks. Love will attract multitudes better than anything else. Somebody says, how do you know that? I, I saw it in the Bible. You know why the religious folks were mad at Jesus? They had about 15 showing up at their meetings. And Jesus had 5,000 men plus their wives and children, so they had 15, 20,000 people out in the field. Hallelujah. And they'd stay for three or four days. Amen. They couldn't figure out how he was doing it. He just loved them. And he had an answer for them. And he didn't judge them. Didn't put them down. They didn't try to catch him one day. Caught a woman in the act of adultery. Probably set her up. Didn't bring the man, just brought the woman. Threw her down at Jesus' feet and said, What are you going to do about this? The law says we need to start her. He just knelt down. Looked around, a little bit in the ground. They're all. He finally looks up at him and says, Okay. 
Whoever doesn't have any sin, you without sin, you throw the first stone. Go ahead. You, you start it. Whoever is totally innocent, you go ahead and throw the first stone. The only guy that had the right to throw the stone was Jesus. And he looks up, and one by one they walk away because their own sin was beginning to show up. Love was exposing their hypocrisy. Then love looked at that woman and said, where are your accusers? She said, they've left, Lord. There's none left. He said, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. He wasn't condoning what he was doing. He was giving her an opportunity to change her life. Love doesn't condone all the stuff that we're seeing today. Love gives the ones who are doing it the opportunity to change and come out of it. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom that we're trying to get everyone to grab a hold of. God's kingdom. And there's nothing greater in the kingdom of God than his love for his people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish, but who would everlasting life. Next verse, verse 17, just to me, ministers to me just as much. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I'm so glad Jesus didn't come in my room that night and condemn me. I'm so glad he came in and showed me how to get out of my mess and live the life that I really wanted to live. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you for your grace, mercy, and goodness. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our Lord, our King. You are the compassionate one, the Lord of lords. And Lord God, you look at us and you don't see our past. You don't see our struggles, our troubles, our sins. You see us through God of love and you see us through your redemption. And you reach out and you say, no matter what you've done, where sin did abound, grace does much more abound. And your grace is extended to us. You're here tonight. I preach this message, first of all, that if you don't know the Lord, if you've been away from the Lord, the first thing you need to do is re-up. You need to renew yourself in the Lord, or you need to come for the first time and say, Jesus, I'm coming in. I'm giving my life to you. That's you tonight. And the devil's told you, you never change. You're never going to make it. I'm here to tell you, God came through his son to help you to change so you can make it. Heads are bowed, intercessors are praying, and all of us are looking to the Lord. I ask you the question, is Jesus your Lord? If not, would you just do two things for me? Number one, lift your hand up to heaven. He's reached down to you. Now, would you reach up to him? Let me see that hand. Say, I need Jesus tonight. I need Jesus tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want everybody to pray this prayer after me and say this and mean it in your heart. Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross, to take my place, to redeem me from sin and destruction, and to bring me into your kingdom. Thank you for choosing me and pouring into me the spirit of adoption. And I cry out unto you, Abba, Father, for I do believe that my sin was placed upon Jesus. When he died, he took my sin. 
When he was buried, my sin was upon him. When he was raised from the dead, my sin was destroyed. And this day, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that in my heart, I believe. And with my mouth, I confess that you are Lord of my life. I rededicate, I reconsecrate my life to you. I choose this day to be your disciple, to be a laborer in your harvest, to live my life as a light shining to others that you are my Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Not only am I saved, your blood cleanses me and washes me from every sin, every failure, and every mistake. And I'm cleansed, washed, and made whole. And this night, there is now, therefore, no more guilt, condemnation, or inferiority. For I'm cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. I am a child of God. And I declare, Jesus is my Lord. I'm an heir of God. And a joint heir with Christ Jesus. And this night, I take my place as a disciple in the kingdom of God. And I declare, this night, I am delivered from every fear, from all my past, from every insecurity, from all weariness, for Jesus is my Lord. Thank you, Lord, this night for doing a mighty work in my life. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for making me a child of your family. I give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, all the saints stand with me in this house. Come on, lift your hands up and praise the Lord. Just praise Him right now. Hallelujah. Come on, just take a moment and lift your hands up to God. Just minister to the Lord just for a moment. Just minister to the Lord for a moment. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, here's what we're going to do next. You're here tonight and you say, Pastor Elvin, I'm born again and I've just, re, re, just rededicated, reconsecrated in my heart and life and I, I will not live my life another second ashamed of or intimidated by the enemy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm going to be a bold Christian for Jesus. Amen. But you have not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit. And I mean according to Acts 2, 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues and the Spirit of God gave the utterance. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to pray in tongues. You need the Holy Ghost helping you in a greater measure. Are you hearing me? So if that's you tonight, and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you haven't been, or maybe you've been filled and you've just had a few words and you want to break through. Jesus said, come and drink until rivers flow out of you. Not just a dribble, but rivers. That means your prayer language released and flowing. Amen? Hallelujah. Somebody says, well, I don't know. Well, let me tell you something. I went around churches trying to find people to speak in tongues so I could hear what it sounded like. Bonnie and I went to two or three Pentecostal churches. They wouldn't talk in tongues. And I just thought, I ain't going back there. So finally at home one night, I read Brother Hagin's book on seven Bible steps receiving the Holy Ghost and, and, and just knelt down. I'll tell you when it was. It was on Tuesday evening, June the 7th, 1977. 
upstairs bedroom, the old farmhouse in Union Hall, Virginia. Knelt down there. It was about 7.30. And I prayed. Did what he said to do. And I said, Lord, I thank you that I'm saved. And I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to come into me. I believe I've received the Holy Spirit right now coming into me. And Lord, by faith, I confess I am now filled with the Holy Ghost. And by faith, I'm going to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gives me utterance. And I just took a deep breath, lifted my hands up, waited for a moment, felt something down on the inside here. And I thought, I wonder what that is. And, and the Lord spoke to me and says, say what it looks like. I said, it looks like a little L. He says, say it. I went, L? And it came right up. Next thing you know, I was praying out. And you know, just as I was praying in tongues, and I've never heard anybody else speak in tongues. That's the first person I've ever heard speak in tongues. It was me, okay? So I didn't know what it was supposed to sound like. So I'm praying in tongues for about 10 minutes, and about that time, the devil shows up over here behind me. And he says, boy, you're a pretty looking thing now. They already thought you was crazy down there at that Baptist church. Now they're going to think you done went off the rails. That's not God. That's just you. And you know what? Brother Hagin put in his book, he said that the devil's a liar and the father of all lies. And when he speaks a lie, it's of himself. And so I just stopped praying in touch for a moment. I said, uh, Mr. Devil, the Bible says you're a liar. And if you're telling me I'm not speaking in tongues, that means I am speaking in tongues. So thank you for confirming to me that I'm speaking in tongues. And in Jesus' name, leave. And I'm going to go back praying in tongues. Hallelujah. Because see, I'm not in his kingdom anymore. He's not going to be the influencer of my life. Jesus is the influencer of my life. Amen. I built my experience on the word of God. And I'm inviting you tonight. If you don't, if you if you want that, I want you to come right now. Come on. I'm gonna pray with you. I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna get filled with the Holy Ghost. Anybody want this? Step out. Don't wait on somebody else. Hallelujah. I mean, if you feel the Holy Spirit. If you feel the Holy Ghost, lift up your hands and pray in tongues right now. Just worship God all over this house. Come on, you've got the baptism. You can pray in the spirit. Just pray. Stir up your gifts. Stop the anointing right now. Stir it up. Stir it up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on, pray. Pray in the Spirit. Stir yourself. God has great things for you to do. Come on. God has a great life for you to live. God has great works for you to accomplish. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. Just pray. Stir yourself up. Rise up. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Now, while everybody's praying in the Holy Ghost, if you're here right now and you've got any kind of infirmity, sickness, or pain in your body, I want you to step out and come down here in the front. Come on. If you if you believe in God, we'll heal you. Come on right now. Right now, there's an anointing here, a power of God, the miracle of God is right now ready. Hallelujah. Come on. 
Come on, everybody, don't don't put praying in tongues. Just worship God in the spirit. Come on, just begin to praise God in the spirit. You that are coming, come with expectation. Come with expectation. I'm coming with an expected faith. I'm coming with a receiving faith. I'm coming to receive. I'm coming to receive. I'm coming to receive. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, everybody, reach your hands out. Come on. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Reach your hands out towards Jesus up here in the front. You that up here in the front, begin to receive your healing right now. I'm going to lay hands on you in the name of Jesus. That's your point of contact to say, I believe I receive it. I believe. Right now. Oh, 
destroy it. The mountain will be proud. Hallelujah. Now listen. 
Jesus was so real. That changed my life. Are you hearing me? If that's you and you say, I want to be a laborer in the harvest because a laborer wants his Lord to be glorified. Labor means a worker. Lord, work through me. Work through me. And you see, once again, you follow Jesus' example. You know, he walked up to a pool and there was all kinds of sick folks there and stuff and they got one person healed. They just walked away. They didn't even know who did it. Till later on when they came about. Amen. They got a blind man healed. And they had to go look him up because he got kicked out of the synagogue. He said, you need to serve the Lord. He said, well, what if I knew who he was? He said, you're looking at him. Hallelujah. He's the one who healed you. You know, Jesus wasn't there. Some people say, well, uh, you know, what, what, what was he doing? He was living an example to you and me that we were not to bring attention to ourselves, but attention to God. Amen. The Holy Spirit didn't come here to witness of you. He came here to witness of Jesus. Amen. And when I accept him into my life, he gives me the ability to witness for Jesus. Amen. Let's do it, folks. It's time for the church to rise up and be the church and be representatives of God's kingdom and to the point where people come in and they say, you know what? I don't know all that they teach there and it's a little new to me, but I felt the presence of God and the love of God. And Jesus became so real to me, I got to go back. Hallelujah. See, that's the thing that pulled me into the charismatic renewal back in the 70s. Bonnie and I went to the first meeting at Rama. And they're praising God, jumping and dancing, and celebrating, and I'm just like, whoa. And Bonnie was standing there beside me. We'd never been in a situation like that, but, you know, we were... It was just like, this was something. Hallelujah. And I, it, it's a funny little story, but I felt my, my hand just felt like my fingers were tingling like a blood circulation. I looked over and she had this look on her face like a deer in the headlights. And she had a death grip on my arm. And she squeezed the horn, blood blood circulating. And I pried her fingers off and I said, what is wrong? What are you doing? She goes, she looks up at me. She goes, where have you brought me to? I said, what do you mean? She goes, what are they doing? And I gave her a great theological answer. I turned to her and I said, I don't know what they're doing. Well, let's do what they're doing and they won't know that we don't know what they're doing. 
So we just started praising the Lord like the rest of them really didn't know. But, you know, during the time as we stayed there, we learned while we was doing that. Hallelujah. Because, you see, I knew they had something that I didn't. And I wanted to be that kind of labor in God's harvest. I wanted people, after I talked to them and ministered to them, to realize he's got something real in his life. Whatever it is, I want it in my life. Amen? I'm going to tell you what. If we do this, we're going to see Anchor Faith Church. Because people out here are looking for some reality of the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus was sending them out. What was, what was the word that came? Jesus said, go tell them about the kingdom. Go help them out of their struggles. Go heal them from their hurts. Go heal them from their diseases. Go minister to them. And he says, I'm giving it to you free. So you go out and don't take credit for it. You'll share with them. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, there's an anointing right now for us to be laborers in the harvest. And if you want to step out, come down here in the front. I believe God's going to put an anointing upon you that you're going to be surprised at yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, some people say, do you ever get surprised yourself? I'm shocked at some of the stuff I do all the time. Amen. But you know what? It's an exciting life. And it's been exciting from day one for me, and it's still exciting. So if you wanted that, you say, brother, I just want to be a laborer in the harvest, anointed of God, to go forth and to do the works of Jesus and see lives changed. I'm not going to try to bring attention to me. They, they, notice they didn't even name the 70. Nobody even knows who that 70 was. They know. Amen. They know. Come on up here. Let's gather around the front. There's an anointing here. Hallelujah. And we're going to be laborers in the harvest. Hallelujah. We're going to be vessels of, that God's going to use. And we're going to see people change. We're going to see healings from your hands. Hallelujah. You're going to pray for people and they're going to get set free. Are you hearing me? You're going to have the joy of experiencing someone give their life to Christ because you shared Jesus with them and then prayed with them. Hallelujah. You're going to find yourself. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. We're going to pray, and the anointing is coming in here right now, and you're going to find yourself over the days ahead, and God's going to put you in a position where you're going to hear something, and down inside you're going to click, and it's going to be, I'm supposed to minister to that person. Amen. You know what you got to do? You got to follow that and say, I'm anointed to do this. You can't doubt yourself. Are you hearing me? You can't let the thoughts of you, what are you going to say? You don't know enough scripture. No, no, no. You would say, I'm anointed to be a laborer and a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, you will give me what to say. Jesus goes over to this place and before he can even preach to anybody, a crazy demon-possessed legion of a man comes running out of the tombs, sees Jesus, drops down, acknowledges him as Lord. And Jesus looks at him and says, come out of the man. 
And he didn't do it. And so Jesus looks back at him and says, what's your name? He's not talking to the man. He's talking to the spirit that's controlling the man. He says, we're legion. We're many. And he said, well, you know what? I'm Jesus and I'm more. <laughs> now he didn't say it, but he said it. And he said, you got to believe him. And he cast all those demons out of that man. He came into his right mind. They put him in his right clothes, cleaned him up. And the man wanted to get in the boat and go with Jesus. Wouldn't you? But we know the story. You know what the Lord did? He looked at this man with no biblical training, no discipleship classes. This man who had just had an encounter with the Lord, he said this. He said, no, no, no. Your purpose is not to ride the boat with me. Your purpose is to go back to your family and your friends and all these people that know what you have been through and tell them what good things the Lord has done in your life. Just go tell them your testimony. And the man takes off at the word of Jesus. No training, nothing. I mean, just, and, and he goes back. And then all the other religious folk come out and, they, and because they lost their hogs. They're all upset because, you know, it's time for market and we're not going to have any bacon for the winter. And he said, you got to leave. You got to leave. So they, Jesus gets back in the boat and takes back off. But, you know, you read a couple of chapters later there in Mark and this Bible says Jesus came back in that same region again. You got to remember this one man who got delivered has gone back throughout all of the capitalists telling everybody what God's done in his life. He's not ashamed of Jesus. He's a disciple, man. He is telling everybody. We don't even know the name. We just know he was demon possessed. He's the madman of Gadara. You know, that's, that's all, you know, just, it just, that was who he was. But when Jesus comes back to that region, it says multitudes came from everywhere just to hopefully touch his robe. Why? Because of the testimony of one person. So don't you ever let the devil tell you you can't make a difference. Amen? Because one person with Jesus is a majority. Amen? Hallelujah. So the Lord is wanting to anoint us right now to be his disciples. Amen? Would you lift your hands up to the Lord? Just lift them up, everybody. Just come up close. Come up close. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just work your way up here. Praise God. Come on. I want. Hallelujah. Pastor Mark. Pastor Rod. Pastor Earl. Would y'all join in here? Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray. And then what we're going to do is this. We're just going to walk in the midst of you. Just laying our hands on you. Because I believe the anointing of God is here right now. Amen. And these that have been gathered here to speak into us this way. Every one of them have a specific anointing for their life. The anointing is on them to stir the gifts, the talents, and the abilities that God has already placed in you. As we lay hands on you, we're not going to give you anything. 
We're going to stir up what is already given to you by God to be used under the anointing of the Holy Spirit for His glory. Amen. Because you see, everything you need has already been placed in you when your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because Jesus gave you everything at that moment that you would ever need to be His laborer in His fields. Then He sent the Holy Spirit to empower you to use what He'd given you for His glory. And then He gives you His name so that there's no mistake on who you are representing when you go out. Amen? Listen, Mr. Devil, I'm not here representing me. I'm here representing Jesus. I've come as an ambassador, as a representative of the King of this kingdom, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm operating under His authority, His power, and His boldness. Now, right now, as you're standing there, as I'm speaking to you, I want you to just look inside. And I want you to see gifts, talents, abilities. God has given you unique giftings and abilities and talents. And, and, and the person beside you can reach someone that you maybe couldn't reach. But you can reach someone that maybe they couldn't reach. We're not in competition with each other. We're in complementing each other. Amen? And as each one of us yield ourselves and use our gifts, there's not one single hurting person out there that God doesn't have someone that can reach you. Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.